Hello, beautiful people, to this episode of the Story Bonding Marketing Podcast. And today the topic is what can e-commerce stores do to turn the COVID-19 crisis into an opportunity? And today I have somebody I really like and I've reached out to him to speak on this topic because I feel that he's part of the new blood that brings fresh perspectives and synthesizes the old views into something that works right now. So Danavir is a direct consumer analyst that helps e-commerce businesses grow. This includes popular seven and eight figure brands like Kettle and Fire and Drink O2. Today, he's working on launching his own DTC brands, as well as a paid newsletter that analyzes how the world's fastest growing e-commerce brands get more customers. And I love that intro because he's a real deal. He does what is sad on the can. So hello, Danavir. Hey, man. I hope you're okay. And these are hard times, so people need guidance and somebody to explain to them what's really going on, the expert that can see the signal within the noise and can tell them, what do you think happened exactly in the space, the e-commerce space, because of the coronavirus and the lockdown and its ramifications? Yeah, sure. So um, basically, uh, I guess like the, the simplest way to say it is it was sort of like a, a panic, obviously, just like because it wasn't just coronavirus. It was uh, because of the coronavirus, there was a recession and we're most likely heading to a depression, at least in the United yeah. States. Um, and so it, it was kind of like a panic on all fronts. And when people panic, what they what are they going to do? They're going to act a lot more conservative than they used to do before. They only buy the things that they need to buy. They save money when they can. Uh, some businesses had to be completely shut down because of coronavirus. Uh, anything like uh, like restaurants and, and, and gyms and other things that required you to be physically there to actually be serviced so those things were were really affected and so people just went back to if you think like the hierarchy uh, maslow's hierarchy of needs uh anyone who was at the top or getting to the top all uh everyone went straight down skipped back to the bottom to the basic needs of food water shelter security that kind of stuff yes I understand what you mean 100%. And I think that in every crisis, there is an opportunity. If you read, and I'm sure you do, about all the fortunes made in the past, it was that during crises, people froze, but the people who didn't made out big and made fortunes during those times. But as an insider into the e-commerce space how do you think brands that are operating that there have adapted or reacted to what has been going on because of the coronavirus 
yeah, I mean, the best ones have just realized the reality of, of, of what's going on. Again, uh, like I said, uh, Mazal's hierarchy of needs, everything from the everyone who's moving up, every, now everyone's moving down to the basic stuff. And so one is to understand what companies actually did okay uh, during during the virus, and that has been anything that's been at the bottom. So uh, anything food-related that's uh, shelf-stable, any liquids that are also shelf stable, uh, you know, some stuff that having to do with uh, with fashion and stuff. Uh, yeah, not so much apparel, but like things that people need within the apparel. So, for example, one thing uh, some companies did is that they, some fashion companies did is that they started selling their own uh, masks, and obviously people need that right now, and so people buy. So those are the type of companies that did better, and then everyone else has just been sort of adapting into it through a combination of messaging. So understanding that, you know, you're not going out, you're at home. And so when you're writing your copy, when you're writing your emails and writing your ads, you, you reflect that more as well as understanding that this is kind of like the new normal uh, over time. At the beginning, it was a lot more like, yeah, we know you're at home, stuck at home, you know, go buy this instead. Um, but now it's more of a, uh, after a couple months, it's been, I guess it is more of a new normal that, and then it's more assuming and understanding that this is how the normal consumer is now. Uh, everyone who used to go out, they're they're inside, uh, uh, and understanding that some people want hope, and so they'll buy some stuff that they to prepare for when they go back out again, um, and stuff like that. Just a, a couple these past few weeks, uh, some states were trying to open up, but now a lot of them are closing back down again. So. Uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely tough, but um, the good ones just stuck to uh, the reality of it, not trying to just push product just because they needed to, but because that's what the uh, that's what the consumer wanted. It's just it's just like any other type of business decision, supply and demand. What do the people want, and do you have the supply for it? That's pretty much it, and that's all that's happening during uh, coronavirus. Yeah, that's really really good because it reminds me of uh, systems theory and how any system when there is a shock it will try to keep the status quo or homeostasis which is that people even if there is this shock they have hope that things will return to normal like you said but also fear keeps people at the lower levels of the mass low hierarchy of needs and as a personal question to you because story bonding, which is my own thing, the it's people specific. It's about understanding the person themselves. And I know you're a martial artist and probably you're a fan of Bruce Lee and his philosophy and all that. But you, what did you do in your life to ensure that you don't drop lower on the mass laws? Uh, hierarchy of needs on that pyramid because i can say really that the lower pyramids increase anxiety in life which is a really unhappy place to be the higher you go the more happy you are no matter the situation if i might say because that's a very buddhist thing to say what did you do to prevent dropping low into that pit and cesspool of maybe depression. Yeah. 
Okay, so for me personally, I mean, not much has changed because I mostly just worked online anyway. Yes. Um, and uh, everything else from there, it's, it's not so much like uh, I wouldn't say most people are feeling, you know, you know, uh, focusing more on like the basics and stuff. I wouldn't say most people are depressed. I guess it has to do more with people not being able to go out and the relationships with other people and stuff. Um, but again, like for me, it hasn't been uh, that much of a big difference other than, you know, already working from home is just, you know, controlling your finances and stuff, just making sure that uh, uh, you just make smart decisions. You know what I mean? It's just basic yeah. personal. But personally, nothing has really changed too much, luckily. Um, who knows what happens, you know, six months, six months from now, I don't know how long the, this whole thing is going to last. So, but at least for now, things have just been, you know, uh, pretty okay. good. So things have been good for you. I'm yeah. really happy about that. And I have a question because I really, I saw your evolution, how you evolved from doing more copywriting for, um, markets that you are into or interested in and evolving now to going to e-commerce and direct to consumer can you share your thought process and why you found that this niche or market or business model fits you more and you saw in it opportunity yeah so um I guess just to take my story a little bit more back, I started when I was 16 years old. And the reason I started online is because I was really into fitness. And what I wanted to do was build my own fitness brand. I wanted to build my own uh, beach body. And so the, the way I got into digital marketing in general was just cold emailing. I was also into like street magic, like the David Blaine type of stuff. And yes. so I would, I would, uh, I emailed a street magician who had a big YouTube channel at the time. And I told him, hey, I'll work for free. And basically, long story short, he ended up paying me 200 bucks a month to write his emails. And then eventually, I, I pretty much ran his entire business. And that's how I got into uh, digital marketing. That was like 10 years ago now. Um, and so my whole thing from the very beginning has been wanting to build my own business. And just to, it just so happens that along the way, copywriting was the main skill I learned because it was the cheapest, it was the simplest, it didn't require numbers, it's just you on a Google Doc just writing stuff essentially. And so uh, over that time, I got really hardcore into copywriting, but I was, I was never happy as a copywriter. Like I never really thought of myself as a copywriter because I hate writing. That's, that's one thing. I, I really hate writing and I hate yes. client work. Uh, so my, the life as a copywriter is not for me at all, but I love copywriting when it comes to, uh, my own stuff and of the stuff that I like to do, I like actual brands. Like I've always wanted to build my own Nike or my own Adidas or something like that. It was no, my time in the copywriting space was out of pure necessity because it was cheaper to learn because you could sell online courses, which didn't cost, you know, anything to make. And all that kind of stuff. So that's why I was into uh, that stuff. And that's how I got my, my first little wins and little successes, right? But then I switched into direct, uh, sorry, I switched to e commerce because truth is, like, even though I was starting to do better, at least financially, I was not happy with what I was doing. And I was, I knew for a fact I was not doing the things that I wanted to do. And then I just, uh, I just talked to other people and I realized that 
you know, why am I waiting? Like, what's the point of waiting? Let me just go directly into what it is I want to do right now. And at the time, it was e-commerce and still is. And so that's why I went, uh, I just made a huge pivot. I left everything and I just decided just to go straight into e-commerce because that's what I want to do. Like, it's it's 100, at least for me, it's 100x better than doing whatever I was doing in the information and expert business. That's really good. And it's inspiring, really, because there is something that I talk a lot about which is two things. One, you said you hate writing, but you are recognized as a really good copywriter, which shows the people who say, oh, I don't have talent or whatever. They can achieve things that they can work hard at. And secondly, that a lot of people think of positioning as what does the market need? I will go give them that. But the reality is you're a person, you have feelings and emotions and one of the secrets to being productive is to do what you're passionate about which is for you is the e-commerce and brand building it's much better like you will work 10 times harder because you're 10 times happier doing this than something that might theoretically is supposed to pay more but it will be full of emotional struggles that you end up not making as much money as you could by doing what you love. Of course, you do what you love, but that people are will, willing to pay for. What's your vision for the brand that you wish to have? Is it still something like Beachbody? Or if you today could start your own brand that is your own 100%, I'm curious about this. What would it be? about what would it sell what would it signify yeah so i'm actually that's what i'm working on right now um the goal right now i have a a newsletter called rooftopsquad.com and basically what i'm doing is is building up an audience of of men essentially um over time and and hopefully next year i could launch an actual direct consumer brand to that audience um, but in terms of the actual brand itself, what I would sell and stuff, I have I have a bunch of ideas. Uh, but the two main ones is either a a cologne brand, like like you know premium men, luxury cologne for men, or something in the food space, something like uh, you know like the, the the idea I'm playing with right now is something like a keto Oreo, like a like an Oreo that's super low carb and it fits yeah. into the keto diet. And so those are the two uh, main ideas. Which one I'll, uh, I'm leaning to kind of depends on whatever my audience uh, will prefer, and which one I can actually make with the with the money that I have. So that's something I'll, I'll figure out later. So right now I'm just worried about the uh, about the audience as well as how I'm going to dif- differentiate uh, the brands that I, I want to work on. So. Those are the two main ideas. I don't, I'm not into like Beachbody or or any type of information product anymore. I want to sell like actual premium priced uh, stuff like cologne or some like super healthy food. Like I, another idea that I might I'm looking into is like a spaghetti made with chickpeas um, and 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 stuff like that. So it's really like uh, premium stuff, stuff that you wouldn't normally find in a in a grocery store because most times in the grocery store you're going to find like uh, cheaper things or like very ma- uh, 
massively, you know, mass produced products. And so, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. It's amazing the clarity of mind that the ketogenic diet gives a person. I mean, it's night and day compared to a high carb diet. I really recommend it for everybody. And about perfumes, I'm a, a fragrance enthusiast. So I had a lot of thoughts about that, especially if you watch a channel, YouTube channel called Jeremy Fragrance, and he documented in it his own journey to making his own international brand in perfume using like some of the very best perfumers in the world to sell it as premium and luxury. You know, there are some people who are doing that, so I encourage it because I believe life is really too short to not go for what you want because you don't know you might get it rather than aiming low. And right now you're a DTC analyst. Can you speak a little about what that, what is that job? What do you do? What can a person, a brand, an e-commerce store get by hiring you, let's say, or allying with you or just, you know, working with you? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the way that it's named doesn't really matter. Ultimately, if you if you were to hire me, I'd all of a sudden, you change the name from analyst to consultant or marketer or agency, like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I guess the reason why I like the, the term analyst, besides the fact that I think it sounds cool, is that uh, it, if you were to hire me, for example, to do Facebook ads or email marketing or something, it's not just the fact that I know marketing, is that the, I analyze uh, I analyze different direct-to-consumer categories as well as the media side of things, such as, you know, uh, you know building up an audience to, 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 so you could sell stuff how other brands are doing it. So that's pretty much what, what an analyst would do normally. They, they look at uh, the marketplace, they look at the categories, they look at different brands. And so it's a much, uh, it's a much more broader way of thinking it rather than just saying, okay, this is how you write a headline. This is how you write a, uh, an email or something. So that's very, it's very niche and very, um, very, very specific. And also, yeah, obviously I, I the one the, the consulting work that I do is specific to what I actually know, but it's when it's held within context of uh, everything that's that's going on uh, in the marketplace. Because ultimately, you can't really do good marketing if you don't really know what's going on uh, in the market. One hundred percent. I believe that understanding the conversation going on in the minds of the people is more important than clever words or anything like that. That first, and then you know which offer that will work with that, and then you can be good at writing afterwards. And I'm curious about another thing. You sure. mentioned that you ran a business for that person who was a street magician, and it was pretty big, I assume. And I remember a Dan Kennedy quote, kind of a thing he said, is if you took a homeless person to spend a day with somebody very rich, they will be disappointed because that rich person is not doing anything that is beyond the capability of the homeless person to do. And they will need to confront themselves in the face that 
it's more possible than they thought, and those are not cut from another cloth. Can you speak? Not specifically, you don't need to mention names, but as a 16-year-old or a teenager at the time, did you discover that it was easier and the people are more human than you thought if you read or imagined entrepreneurs who had success? Or can you talk about how that business was? Maybe how does it compare to an ideal business that you would set up today and that that person had success? Although now you learned so much more that could have made it better, but they didn't need to be superhuman in business knowledge to begin and to start and to make progress and see results. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, that original, that first business, it was not big at all. Um, it was probably making like a thousand dollars per month at the time. And then the guy's YouTube channel got uh, axed by YouTube. Um, so it went and dropped down to 300 a month and then he built up his channel again. And then I was able to bring it up to like $3,000 per month. So it was not a big business at all. Um, but I did, uh, I did learn a lot from, from the whole experience, but basically, yeah, like, um, and not just him, just basically through every client and through every person I've talked to who makes a significant amount of money online selling their stuff. Yeah, there's nothing. The one, the one thing I've ever learned from all this stuff in the past ten years is that there's literally nothing special at all about people who make more money. There's, they're not smarter. They don't work harder. It's literally nothing. Half of it is just uh, happenstance. You know, they were there in the right place, right time. You know, they happened to like basketball, and they happened to be, uh, you know, twenty five years old. And it just happened, and YouTube just happened to be pretty new, so they decided to do videos. You know what I mean? So it's like yes. literally half of it. Um, uh, that's that's literally half of all success. It's just you being in the right place, right time. And Good the other, fortune. Yeah, and and it's not to say that 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 does that. Just, uh, there's always a right place and a right time for everything. There's a right place and right time for right now. You know what I mean? Um, yes. it's, you have to understand that it doesn't always look the way you think it does um but and then the other half is just people who just uh they 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 find what they work they find what works and they just triple down on it they just keep doing more of whatever worked and so it's it's uh, the one thing i i the, the way i look at it is that it or i think the best way to look at it is that if you're going to do this whether as a as a consultant a marketer agency or your own brand or whatever it's just to understand that um like no one else is really smarter than you. Like it's, it's and business itself is not necessarily complicated. It can be, um, especially when you get really deep into analytics and the numbers behind stuff like supply chain and whatever. It can be a little bit difficult. Um, but ultimately, the people who the actual people who do it, it's not you know again they're nothing special. They they are not smarter than you. They don't work harder than you. They just you know, uh, they they just were able just to figure it out. Um, I guess like the hardest part about uh, everything, and one thing I did learn from everyone uh, was that even though they might not be smarter or might not be better than you in any significant way, one, they're they typically are good at something, uh, especially if it's on the traffic side, whether they're a media buyer, whether they do YouTube, whether they did SEO, they were usually good at something. And then on top of that, they were, um, how 
because they were uh, they did not stop basically. So if something went wrong, they would always try to. Uh, there was always a solution to everything. Essentially, uh, they wouldn't uh, just because, like for example, the first business. Uh, he had a YouTube channel. I forgot how many views it had, but it was it was pretty big. Um, and then when when YouTube, you know canceled his his youtube channel what did he do he just re-uploaded all his video again all his videos again and used the e- email list that we had we just sent traffic to it and then we just uh he just kept pumping out more videos and then ultimately his second youtube channel ended up being even bigger than the first one and that's just an example so that's basically uh the main thing they're again they're not spe- they're not any more special than you they just happen to be good at something and they just don't quit essentially Yes, persistence. And that's really, really true because I used to be a perfectionist to believe that there is one right way to do things and you have to learn it. And a lot of people online are selling such a blueprint or the secret to things. But the real secret is try more and find out what works and double down on that and be a real person. Don't be like fake because people can sense that although you know at some point in time probably it worked but now the competition is so high that being honest and authentic stands out a lot and before we end i would like also to know another thing you have this goal now based on your newsletter you're building uh, an audience a community of men and hopefully next year you will have something whether it's a fragrance uh, or it's food that doesn't exist in supermarkets but what's your ultimate goal and do you believe that there is a possibility to have a balanced full life what i mean is that i notice online and i talked about it that a lot of people talk about the hustle mentality and work, work, work 20 hours a day or 24 hours a day and sleep like three minutes and all that. And I said that I tried it for one month and I lost all productivity. My brain was like stopping. I couldn't come up with any ideas. And I value working hard, yes, but also taking breaks and recharging and renewing. But for you, in your own experience, is this going to be a lifestyle business that you have that supports other areas of your life? Or are you one of those people who says, no, I need to be a billionaire. I will work 20 hours a day. I will have a team of 500 people who are supporting this and all that. Like, What kind of person are you in that way and your vision for your brand in the future? Yeah, um, I, guess, I guess the best way to say it is I'm kind of in the middle. Uh, my dreams are obviously a lot bigger. Uh, I definitely do not work 20 hours a day or anything. Um, in terms of what I want to do, in terms of the actual dreams, I would say it's more like uh, the goal is to build a, a $100 million uh, media company that's sort of like complex, uh, the company complex, where you have a bunch of shows and then it sells. Uh, for example, complex has a show called Hot Ones where they interview a bunch of celebrities. And then from that, just that show alone, they make $10 million per year selling hot sauces, which is what they uh, was what they use on the actual show itself. Plus they make millions more licensing and syndicating the actual show itself. 
And so that's the idea. That's the ultimate dream is to build a, a $100 million media company that makes money through selling direct consumer products and obviously selling you know the actual content uh, itself in the consumer space. Not necessarily about guys uh, or men in particular. It just so happens that if I wanted to promote articles, it's a curated newsletter. So if I want to promote stuff, I'd rather just talk about stuff that is relevant to me that I care about to actually talk about. So for this, uh, for roots, for rooftop squad, um, that's pretty much uh, the idea behind it. But in terms of like lifestyle and whatever, um, I there's I guess there's different ways to think about it. Um, obviously, I haven't gotten to that spot yet to really worry about life, uh, you know, lifestyle. Um, but from what I understand, uh, the best thing to understand is that there is no such thing as balance. You just either go hard or when you need to, and you stop when you don't need to. Um, and it's it's it, that's basically the the biggest thing that there's no balance. Uh, that that's it's kind of like a myth or whatever. So that's the way that that I look at it. And for now, I'm trying to uh go hard but obviously there's also you have to be smart of it because if uh, because if you're going hardcore in a business you're putting you know 20 hour work days on a brand new business then you also have to ask yourself smart questions like wait if this business takes 20 hours right now then is this an actually a good business because it's that that's the kind that's that's the bait that's how i um i guess modulate myself uh, between working too hard or working too little, you have to ask yourself, hey, like, is this a smart business to even do if it, if it requires this much work to even make profit? You know what I mean? Because if, if it takes too much work to make profit, then is it a really good business? It's not. Especially if your goal is to sell a business, um, you have to, uh, obviously, not doesn't matter so much at the beginning, but as you grow, you have to understand that, hey, no one's going to buy your business if you personally, you, the founder, has to work 20-hour workdays. It's, it's just not how uh, it works. But ultimately, for me, even though I have the big dreams of building a $100 million media company, I'd be absolutely 100% okay with building you know, one direct-to-consumer brand that makes a million in a year, and I get to keep you know, 20% profit margin on it. And so it's like 200K after taxes, I'll everything i'll probably have 100k i'd be 100 happy with that as long as it's a direct consumer brand that i actually like doing so it doesn't really matter so much um it, it more is more about again just doing what it is that you actually want to do and just like scratching your own itch and fulfilling the stuff that you uh that you're trying to uh work for and again having big dreams but also being okay with any smaller version of those big dreams because ultimately it's it's uh, the if you do entrepreneurship, if you're trying to build your own business and stuff, it is not so much about the actual money or the ultimate goal. It's about doing the things that you actually want to do. Right? And as long as you don't, as long as you can get paid to do the things you want to do without having to get a job, then everything else it doesn't really matter. Everything else is just like, oh, this is possible, so let me try this. But it's not a necessity. It's just because you want to do it, you like to do it, you enjoy doing it, and so that's the way uh, I think about it. Yes. And what you said earlier about how if you need to work 20 hours in a business, you have to ask yourself a question about it. That made me think of something I believe that business, your business should be a baby, not a pet, because a pet, you need to care for it forever. And uh, 
spend time on it from the day it's born until the last day of its life. But a baby, you care for it at first, but then it becomes an adult who can care for you and take care of itself. So that's the metaphor I have. And, you know, it's very interesting, your perspective on life and um, your journey as well. If people would like to know more, maybe to listen to your podcast or get your newsletter or get in touch with you, where can they find you in all possible places that you can think of right now? Yeah, sure. So uh, if you want to connect directly with me, you just go find me on Twitter um, at Danavir Saria. Um, if you want to, I'm going to start my my newsletter covering the direct consumer e-commerce market. You could just go to danavirsaria.com. And if you want to join the actual newsletter I'm using to build up an audience so I can sell a brand to, you can go to rooftopsquad.com. Rooftopsquad.com. Yeah. Thank you, Danavir. It's a pleasure. And I highly recommend to everyone listening to head to your uh, Twitter to interact with you, to get your newsletter. And I really, really hope bigger and better things for you. You deserve it, really. Thank you.